Welcome back to the Retail Smarts Podcast. I am your host, Dominique Lamb, and today we have the wonderful Jeremy Krauss with us to speak to us about all the amazing things that he's doing with global retail brands in the United States. And it is just incredibly exciting to have you on our show because you think at 100 miles an hour and I am going to do my absolute best to keep you on topic, but our listeners are absolutely in for a treat because there is no one in this industry that has the kind of energy that you've got. Um, And in fact, what our listeners won't realize is before we started this podcast, Jeremy had me doing some Tai Chi to focus us. Do you do this regularly? Yes. To focus your ideas? 100%. How many times a day? I used to do a form of martial art at Kung Fu mm-hmm. and I just do lots of kind of uh, Peloton and walking and I have a competition with lots of people to walk further than they do. Yeah, I do a lot of kind of breathing exercises to just channel my <laughs> energy and involved in that is um, this martial art where you kind of do what's called forms or you do different movements and it, there's a breathing piece to it and all that stuff. So, yes, I do that. Well. Oh, it's fantastic. I myself have run for a very long time and oh. then I was a bodybuilder um, for some years and competed quite a bit. Um, but I still use the gym as a form of meditation because I'm not particularly good at sitting down and, and having kind of a calm meditation. So for me, running long distances or running sprints is where I get my best. I do not, wait, I'm just going to back chat one bit. You are like a bodybuilder, you said? Yes, low end bodybuilding, absolutely. Yes. So yes. sculpting. Yes, and- yes, yeah. Oh I'll my- send you photos. Oh wow! It wasn't really? that long ago. It was only about four years ago. And in fact, I'm still considering doing another comp because um, there's a category called mummers, and because I've now had my kids, oh. I'm like all I'm all up for it. And I figure the older I get, the less people will compete, and I'm more likely to win. Win. Yes. Winning yes. Attitude. Exactly. It's all about that, isn't it? And that's why I winning attitude, you've got to win. Being in America recently, I met a few people and I said, I really love the water and the ocean. But my whole life, I've really loved swimming. Mm-hmm. Just like, cause it's my place where I zen, you know, like yeah. I, I can't touch my phone. And they said, you know, you're a Piscean. So Pisceans like water. Cause mm. they're a sign. And I went, Oh my God, after so many years, now I know why I like water. And I think you've got to find, you know, getting back to what we were saying, I think, you know, when you're running at a, you know, a high level of pace of ideas and emotion and energy and the adrenaline of a deal and sale and building new things, I think you need to find those times to do what you do that chills you out. You know, whether it's bodybuilding, whether it's reading a book, everyone's got different things that make them happy. My son, when things get too crazy, puts his headphones on, goes upstairs and just ignores everyone. Mm. And Myself, I just, I need to go out for a walk or I need to do some exercise or I need to try and beat the next person in some gamification of how many steps I've done for the day. But now because I'm doing US and Australia, it's also important to have a CEO that understands your work ethic and your mentality Mm. because, you know, you you have to be on all the time. So at midnight, we chat. Mm. Like, bang, all of a sudden I could be on at midnight and where you have to be available to talk that sometimes some ideas that we've had come from a midnight conversation or a seven in the morning conversation while you're on the Peloton or whatever it is. Absolutely. Let's unpack that because I think for our listeners, what they might not understand is that you are the chief disruption officer. Yes. And you innovation are, and disruption. Innovation and disruption. And you you're the ideas person. And I know from previously talking to you that 
you observe ideas in absolutely everything that you do, even in completely unrelated industries, topics all around the world in various forms of art. And and the way that you keep track of them is by taking photos so that you can revisit them in time. And I also know that your energy levels that you maintain so well, whether it's martial arts or swimming or whether it's, you know, gamification, as you said, I think it goes hand in hand in your attitude towards life, which is being an early adopter. You are the first to say, I'm in. Just, I don't even need to know details. I'm just in. I just want the experience. I want to see what that's like. Yeah. Tell me how that's led you to now being in the US, creating a whole new brand in a whole new market in what most people would say is insanity because, of course, Australia is you know, still kind of in the grips of COVID. You know, we see all this footage from the US. We see all sorts of things happening. Tell us what that experience has been like for you because you've gone back, what, three times between Christmas and now? From October till now, I went two times. But the first time I was supposed to only go for a few weeks, but it turned out to be five weeks. You know, going back into the US in the height of when COVID was everywhere, like you kind of think insanity. Everyone in Australia at the moment is getting COVID. And then they're scared of it. So they don't want to get it. While in the US, I was almost looking for COVID. Mm. And touch wood, I didn't get it. But even then, I don't care. I wish I did get it. But I somehow, I I tried to, I I lived every day as if it was just life, like as life. I went everywhere. I went, I'm a bit of an experienced, you know, I'm going to coin a new phrase. Experienced junkie. Experienced junkie. I was just about to say that. Yes. I went to, I also love sport but and, and competition, but I learn from it. So going to the NBA, going to the NHL, the, soccer, the hockey, sorry, going to the NFL and going to SoFi Stadium, which is in LA, are all huge experiences where I learn every part, customer service, mm-hmm. ticketing, digital, online, offline, catering, culture, people, it's huge. And sport is a very big bringing of things together. And when you're in a new country, you've got some friends, family, but still you're trying to create your own. And I just went myself. It is a bit full on to just go and get a ticket and just turn up. But by the end of the time, I was making friends with everyone. Mm. And then all of a sudden I built this really nice group of people. And a major reason why I decided back to your kind of question initially, why I got myself into a position to to work on building what the US could be was because I found Australia, if you don't make a change to go and learn from external forces such as being overseas or where you can learn from countries or other people, there's only a certain amount of people you can appeal to in the country, right? And once you get to a certain point, there's no more knocking on doors or smacking down the doors to say, hey, listen to me. For me, a no is always another step towards a yes. But mm. in Australia, everyone was, I don't know, like we were kind of saying, where is the opportunity? The business that I'm in and the family business and our CEO is very much like we're doing really well. We're the number one retailer in homewares, kitchenware, cookware in the country. But I want more. Now, mm. it's not a greedy more. It's a more of what other more can we get to create more opportunity? How much effort do you put into an opportunity that's going to lead to huge potential versus one that's only going to lead to a small amount of potential, right? So it's a bit like when in stores, when someone comes in, it's like how much effort do you put into someone who comes in? If you get the vibe that they're going to take three hours to buy a $49.99 product, 
as a good salesperson, you get a vibe going, you know what, $49.99, I feel like they're just going to do my head in for three hours. Now, time is money. So you literally can't spend three hours to help the end solution because we're going to lose money. But if you see they're going to potentially buy more, how do you get to them to that point? And as we like in sales, how, for me, it's like, how much effort do I put into things to get an output? And the US has a huge runway of opportunity. Now, it's not easy. Like you said earlier, there is so much competition. But if you don't feel and, and understand what's going on on the coalface in the country, you don't really know. And that's why I'm always quite quick to rush and try and do something. And, and our CEO has kind of said to me, timing is everything. And he's learned it off his father and the family. It, timing is everything. Be patient. If you trust the timing, it will work. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean- absolutely. And I think, I think to like, you know, for our listeners, you know, the brands that you're looking after, you know, are in that homeware category and, and you own the rights to Game of Thrones for knives in Australia and now in the US, which is a huge play. And you personalize knives and you've kind of taken this entire category into a whole new world in the middle of a pandemic where people were really moving towards that kind of nesting phase. You know, all the things that we've talked about before with, you know, the ideas and time is money and and understanding your customer, you've taken the innovations around personalization and created this offering, which no one else is doing. And which of course, Stevie, um, you know, who does come from a really long line of extraordinary retailers has seen and you know, is harnessing, I guess, your superpower, which is that experience junkie. But yeah. one thing that you said, particularly around sport, which I'm really interested in, I just finished speaking to Bob Swartz, who um, was the president of Magento and um, also created Nordstrom.com. And we had a discussion about, is it about winning or is it about being the best? What do you think? I think it's both. You've got to do both. You can't, yeah. it's not, you can't just win and not be the best, but you've got yeah. to be the best and win. Yeah. And I, I but I think there's a, a version of what winning is. Like is winning money, is winning nice houses, nice cars, is winning personal success, is a personal growth. What is winning? I mean. What is winning though to you? For me, winning is, and I, I'm copying the ex-chief scientist of Australia, Alan Finkel. OAM, AM, I think he got a new honor recently, and I've been quoting him for years. He said there are two things in business and in life, have fun and make profit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for me, I think that fun piece got lost, I reckon, before COVID and has slightly been lost a little bit where if you can have fun in what you do and make money, you're actually almost not working, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't know how bad things can be, then you don't know how good things are. Does that make sense? Like yes. I've been my role is innovation and disruption. And I only titled that as that because in a previous role I was in digital and ran a digital agency for 10 years. But we got to like a high. And you know when when you get to a high, you're gonna fall eventually, right? Unless you're on some drug that lasts forever. But you when you're high, you're gonna fall. And we were on we were on a high for a while and then we got disrupted. But it was the best experience ever. Because we went from high to low and I saw, you know, like an avalanche falling and it, it was no fault of anyone. It was just more, we experienced what everyone's experiencing COVID and someone, my wife actually said, you experienced all this freaking trauma and breakdown and problems before COVID. 
So you're resilient. You had you'd built the resilience to disruption and then saw the value in it. Yeah, and so it's, it's an opportunity. Yeah, and a lot of people who crash go they either crash and stay there and go, I can't get out. And then others who go, Yes, I don't know if it was Winston Churchill or someone who said, You've got to fight, you've got to keep failing. If you're not failing, you're not winning, right? Or Gary V or someone said it. And it's true, you don't know how good things are until you know how bad something is. And that's in life and in business. And I think you know, from that side of things, I then learned from that and went, I'd never want to be disrupted again and I want to be ahead of it. But it's also whether or not Australia slash the US has an appetite for this. And being in America, Hollywood, the show, the stars, you know, marijuana is obviously legal. I mean, I don't touch the stuff, but it's there's that. And then you've got the New Yorkers who are very different as well. And there's a different mm. pace, but they're open to discussion mm. and they're more open to opportunity and a bit of bit of a crazy edge yeah yeah and they're willing to listen in australia i'm not saying it's a different culture and different economy and that was the major reason we kind of went how do you build a big business it's about and this is an interesting story i was saying to stevie and then how much is enough yeah Yeah. like how much is enough it's a good question whether it's Alan Finkel, the chief scientist, or Lindsay Fox, or any of the, you kind of say, when's enough enough, guys? You've got everything. You've got enough for, you know, whatever. And it, and what the biggest thing was, it's about taking an opportunity from nothing mm. and making it amazing. And, and it's not even proving other people wrong, but it's creating something out of nothing is sometimes more exciting. Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, I think they're the best stories, right? It's, you live life yeah. through stories and experiences and all we do is share experiences and stories all day. But also, don't you find that when we celebrate success, we talk about the success of people, but we don't talk about the journey of getting to that success. And in every one of those stories or those journeys, the most interesting part is actually their failures. Yeah. And had they not had them, then their story is not interesting. Tell me about the tech that you're observing in the US and just the disruption. What's your experience with that? I mean, how do you see that shaping the Australian retail market? Oh, it's funny. Like, there's some areas within the US that are so behind the times. It's yes, hilarious. Checks. Banking. Checks. Did I tell you about checks? No, but I know about oh, checks. You know what? Yes. So our, we have a relationship with a, a big online player in the US that's mm-hmm. selling some of our personalized knives. Yeah. Mm. They sent checks to us. And I went, I rang. What is this? Are you serious? <laughs> And you know what I did? I actually framed them and gave it as a gift to the CEO and said, These, this is our first form of deposits into the bank account. Now, firstly, it's a cool gift. But secondly, I went, can't you just direct deposit? They go, no, that system can't handle it. It's only checks. And I went, really? And then you even, pay wages with checks. And then even at LAX airport, I went yes. to get a coffee on the way out and they go, and I went to tap. They said, sorry, we don't take tap. It's only signature. And I went, why? Okay. Where I'm learning the tech pieces are, are more the inspirational stuff coming from Silicon Valley, right? I'm not in and Silicon Valley right in there, but a lot of people I'm speaking to are either have been in Silicon Valley or are in LA or in New York in different roles and they're using technology, smarter efficiency in terms of e-commerce, headless. Headless is this big word that's going on in the e-commerce world. What is it? Are we ready for it? What is headless? Tell me. Well, I don't, everyone says different things, but basically from what I understand, it's you're not linked to one platform. 
Mm-hmm. You're leveraging off, say, for example, Shopify, the e-commerce component of Shopify. Then mm-hmm. you're leveraging off, say, the CRM of another platform, another social API. Like, it's like Salesforce or something. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. you leverage off all different kind of pieces to mm-hmm. bring it together. And then so that if you really... It's a nightmare in terms of... Well, you, like, it's yeah. like... A crazy amount of APIs all going into one central hub and then you can move it. It's I don't know. I think at the moment in Australia, there's a few big retailers that have tried this headless piece and I think it's working, but you you got to get it right because mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the adage of the old platform on its own doing everything is slowly going away because everyone's wanting to be as flexible and nimble and not be reliant on anything mm. and have total flexibility. So. I'm kind of learning that there's all these smart little widgets and tech stacks and pieces that you can add things on, but you've also got to be mindful of if you add too much, then it's going to get heavy and slow. So what I'm kind of trying to find out in the US is where does that sit? And then also the pure omni-channel piece of the online to the offline and the the US do it really well. There's a lot like, for example, the Jordan 4s right? Jordan 4, red and black. I'm a massive shoe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. B, B bleep, I'm going to say, right? I'm a yep. shoe guy. Love. Sh- I'm ridiculous. You love shoes. You want to design them. You want to like... I just, I just want as many Nikes as I can. Yeah. I'm just like, I'll go anywhere and I'll buy it. And I'll, You're I'll a caterpillar. Leave, yeah. And I will leave my shoes in America and mm-hmm. my family won't know, but I've got my shoes in the, in the US. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a $1 million industry in America plus the rest. So the Jordan 4s red and black came out and it was Culture Kings. You've got Nike. You've got all the stores are raffling off the shoes. And it's here too. They have raffles. But what's really interesting is that they're providing this offline. That's what I was going. The offline and the online where online and through an app and through loyalty, you're getting to know about all of this stuff. And then they're inviting you into store to competition, gamification, apply for the raffle to win or come in and and actually experience what's going on in the store. And the US do that really well. Oh, and the design factor. So, you know, I've been to the Nike flagship store in New York. I've seen, you know, where you go and you can design your own Nikes and you can pick your own laces and you can pick all the things that you want. And there is no, there's nothing like it, not only because of the location, not only because of, you know, just the difference in terms of their probably sales culture as well. It is an entire experience. I mean, it's not just about your traditional kind of bricks and mortar retail anymore. It's this incredible ecosystem. It's an ecosystem. And it's it's funny, a lot of things and a lot of conversations leverage off that. Yes. And what I'm trying to learn out of the States, they're willing to try new things. Mm. They're willing to try new tech. I'm willing to try new models and new revenue streams within retail spaces, which is really interesting in terms of events. And events. And yes. one thing I've found that I'm really loving Yep. And this is this is me calling it because I went to a few I went to a hockey game and I picked the winner, LA Kings. Then I yep. went to a Rams game at SoFi and and said no, and I'm Rams have won. And they won. Yep. And like I'm like, everyone back what I say in the nice, not really, but what I've kind of started to fall in love with is this metaverse stuff, this virtual reality in gamification. Mm-hmm of and i'm looking at it at the moment of creating you know cooking games and there's lots of them 
right? But having this world of the avatar where you customize your own appearance in this virtual world, mm-hmm. and I know everyone's talking this anyway, but the in-app purchases are ridiculous. People are spending fortunes. Look at Wordle. Look at Wordle this week. Yeah. It, it's, it's just extraordinary. And, and it's, but it's happening. And I, I went to the tennis recently. I was lucky enough to go and I went with a group called WorldPay and they brought some guys who run some gaming businesses. Their valuations are huge, mm. but they're captivating an audience that's there and they're not going anywhere, that audience. No, and they're captivating the fun, right? Isn't isn't that the thing? Like the, the thing you said, yes. you know, fun they and make revenue at the end of the day. And, and when you look at, I think, everything that you do, whether it's disruption or innovation or, you know, whatever it is, that fun component in, in a brand like Knives is there. I mean, I know, and, and many of our listeners may not know this, but you created a sleepover and pillow fight inside of a homeware store to get people in and you filmed it and And you had it running permanently on digital billboards and people loved it it was kids there were pillows there were beautiful pajamas everybody loved it right and it's it is that concept of fun I think that as a, a professional within this industry you bring to everything that you do with such energy that it is absolutely infectious as a consumer, what have you experienced in the United States? I know you paid with your palm. You know, you've had all sorts of things happening, some like really exciting experience and even some traditional experiences because we have talked about your love of oh, matzable yeah. <laughs> soup and you searching it out, right? And and I'm all for it because, you know, I absolutely, it's one of the things I love to do in New York myself, but I understand you know, from a food perspective, you've definitely seen some interesting things, but the payment side has been really innovative. I think, yes, you, you've hit a few awesome little loves that I have overseas, but the Amazon piece was really cool. I went into Amazon in Seattle and that was phenomenal. Like I went in and all of a sudden people are paying with their palm and I said, how do I do it? And then I went and did it. And the experience was ridiculous. Like so cool. I think that's also in line with NFC, you know, near, near field mm-hmm. communications. And there's this whole movement away from business cards. I've seen in some of the Mercedes Benz dealerships now, yes. people are using NFCs for the sales guys, but the, it's all in this palm and this um, wearable market. I mean, it's, that links into the wearables market, which is off the charts too. And CES two years ago or something, you know, the size and the value of the wearables market, as we've all seen, has gone ridiculous. And the gamification on the watch, Mm. like I'm competing against other people to step more, Mm. you know, and that's as a salesperson, which is my DNA, I just want to beat everyone and sell more, but I want to walk more and walking more is better for your fitness. So bring it on. And for your mental clarity. Tell me about when you went to Amazon Fresh and you had, you know, the contactless paying and you said that you were really trying to break it, mess up (laughs) their system, but it didn't work. So so all the weighing mechanisms obviously work, all of the things like putting things back, pulling them off, all of those kinds of things that all work. So yeah, so the Amazon Fresh experience, it's it's real. It's not new tech, but I think in Australia, we haven't got it yet. I think there's a place in Melbourne somewhere and maybe a few around Australia where you can do it. But the experience was great. You literally walk in and it's Amazon owning the customer mm. and complete friggin' loyalty. Mm-hmm. Like it's so important loyalty because in the end, if you don't have loyalty, you got nothing. 
right? And then all you're doing is you're in and out and you're creating churn as everyone says it. And in this way, you go in, you have to log in in the shopping trolley with your Amazon account. So mm-hmm. then they've got you and they know you've been there. Then you go away and you're just dumping stuff in. And I was dumping in and out. I rang my wife or I rang someone and said, what do you think I should get? And mm-hmm. then they're like, you never know. you got a checklist. I mean, I think you can even have a shopping list through Amazon to to check yeah, it out. Yeah, from, from your fridge, right? Yeah. Like from your smart fridge. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. And then I was throwing stuff in and then checking the weight and then the size. I was, I was trying, I mean, typical digital background, trying to break it. And it just, it wouldn't break. I mean, you said loyalty is incredibly important. How do you take loyalty like Amazon demands and gets from their customer and, and then create it in a brand like the one you're working with? I think the loyalty piece is you've got to have a point of difference. Mm-hmm. Amazon have Amazon Prime. So you're already, you're already addicted to mm-hmm. Amazon Prime and you're addicted to that, but you're addicted to the fact that it's easy. And it's a subscription model. Or, and the systems are there. And with us, what we're trying to build in the US is something fun, engaging, but also creating a community mm-hmm. within the custom chef. Is, which is what we're creating, this this whole piece of customizing and not 50% of what we sell in Australia is gifting, mm. right? So we're going, okay, cool. How do we take that mentality and the adage of a community-based mentality to create this community that feel comfortable? And we created a thing also called the thechalanife.com, right, which is a bit of an extension of the matzo ball soup love that me and the CEO kind of have more me because I can have one for breakfast every day, which is a bit not normal, right? And what we've found is we've created this this community of people who love bread. Mm-hmm. Now, we're making bread knives sexy. Now, so explain the brand to me and where it came from because this was your brainchild that you just thought one day you'd give it a go, right? And exactly. so – you know, you, you're Jewish yeah. on a Friday is incredibly nice. important with family to yeah. break bread. Yeah. Um, and they have these beautiful stories behind bread knives because they're passed from generation to generation. You know, there's lovely engravings, there's all sorts of things happening. And then you have gone and created this concept in a yes. website, which happens to be now one of, you know, an incredibly successful brand. I mean, tell me what I can buy. Uh, you can buy. Okay. Plug the chalanife.com.au. C-H-A-L-L-A-H-knife.com.au is something all about bringing tradition and family values together. Because whether it's our tradition, whether or it's anyone you know, in every religion, every culture. And in the US, mm-hmm. I found there's a very big diversity play. Yes. That's a whole nother discussion, but it's really important. I gay crashed the Golden Globes at the end of it. It, it was finished. Oh, like it's, it's finished. So but I just wanted to get in front of the media wall yes. with my Kobe Bryant singlet on. Yes. <laughs> but there was massive controversy around it this year because of, or last year, no, this year. Well, yeah. the, the lack because of representation in the yeah. winners and the nominees. Yes. Correct. So, regardless of that, it, it was, I suppose, the Hala Knife is about selling the sizzle. It's a story. It's a topic. It's like, you know, every Friday night you sit down as a family and you've got traditional bread and especially in New York and LA, everyone loves the bread regardless, mm-hmm. right? But you need to cut it with some. So yes. this, my CEO and I kind of went, cool, let's personalize the knives. Let's put the family name on it. Let's put a, a logo, an icon, uh, a Star of Dave, a Hamza, uh, whatever it is, right? 
And But you can call it whatever you want. And then not only did we do that, but we then branched it out into boards. So we have a very big board category. Mm. And now you can personalize boards as well on this site. And what's really exciting is it's kind of making a category or a knife segment sexy, which is what we did with cleavers when we started the Custom Chef in Australia. Cleavers, our biggest selling knives were chef knives, you know, which was a standard knife everyone, not a standard knife, but it's the most commonly used. But then we started putting these crazy designs and your name on all these cleavers. And then all of a sudden, brainchild of the CEO was like, we've got to sell it, man. I said, well, we don't need, why don't we just put the initials? He goes, you've got to sell a story. You've got to have a dream. And everything in our brands comes from that. And that for me is where the color knife then came in. But it was also an MVP of tech. If you go onto the site, it's got the most amazing customization widget. That's an iframe slash widget that I can put onto any site. And you can have instantly a customization piece that's exciting. It's got a, you know, you, you come up and the product is a 3D product and it spins and it works on mobile and desktop. And then you can personalize it. And as you're personalizing, you're seeing it change in front of your eyes. And for me, it's exciting. We're now taking that to the next level in the US, but then also in Australia. And that goes back to the matzo ball soup thing of that traditional value. And, you know, in America, when I was there, there weren't a lot of places open after 9 p.m. Mm. The only places was there was this one place uh, called Cantor's in Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. is in Melrose. And the floors are as greasy as. Yeah. Right? You're sticking to them as you walk in the door. Yeah. Yep. There is so much culture and history. History. Yeah. And the chicken soups were a mishmash, it's called. So in the mishmash soup, you've got matzo ball, kreplach, noodles, yep. carrots, chicken broth, everything. everything. And I'd be ringing my family in Australia while I'm eating it because of the time difference. I go, where are you? I go, I'm having a chicken soup. And I go, okay, again at 10 o'clock at night? I said, yeah, if I can get it any time of the day because it reminded me of my grandmother. Oh. And there were a few tears at times because she used to make it and it when you know, it's the penicillin. Yeah, right? and it's so funny that you said that because when you were describing it, it reminds me of my grandmother's chicken soup as well. And she was a Dutch immigrant, right? I always have so much to talk to you about. I feel like no, we probably have a second episode yes, in us. Sure. Um, but yeah. thank you so much for spending your time and talking to our listeners today. We have, you know, always, always enjoy talking to you and your insights and particularly just the unique perspectives that you offer because you are absolutely, you know, the experience junkie and the ideas guy. So thank you so much, but um, have a great night. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Want to know more about the Australian retail industry? Visit nra.net.au for more insights just like these.